AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. It has been a nice run of positive returns for many in agriculture. What are the odds that 2023 will tack on another year of profits? We'll get to the bottom line of the 2023 Ag Outlook and check in on the state of agriculture in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And the spending bill language is finally available. Let's get the highlights from Wiesmeyer. Live from the precipice of a Christmas blizzard blowout via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Rob Fox from CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. Then it's the Kentucky Commissioner of Ag, Ryan Quarles, and later pro-farmer policy OG and AgriTalk panelist Jim Wiesmeyer. Right after the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now Shoot. the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. Bro, that's a lot. loaded up, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of stuff to get in in one show, dude. I, I, I hope we can find the time to make it all happen. Just the one show, right? All that yeah. for just the yeah. one? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. So, uh, yesterday, Kirk Hans from BAMWX.com gave us the, the warning, said, look out, here he it did. comes. Heads We're up. going to be seeing a, a storm at the end of the week and into the weekend in the central part of the country. Well, it looks like it's it's you know it, it's ramping up. Um, I don't know. It okay after the the conversation with Kirk yesterday, I was like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a storm coming. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like based on the local guys who may be hyping it just a bit. I don't know. Uh, but based on the outlook from the local guys, this is is turning into something that's going to be very, very serious in areas of the Midwest. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, start to calm down some. And if you've got to travel on Christmas Day, hopefully you can make that happen. So unless you're like me that was looking to travel on Friday, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah. Which would be yeah. really disappointing because I know there's more beef on the menu for Friday night. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Why oh, would I man. want to miss that? Well, you got beef in the freezer, though, right? Yeah, You'll so? Be You'll be okay. I know. I I know. I'll probably survive it. Anyway. All right. How you doing, buddy? Well, I would say don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. Yeah. It's yeah. cold out there every day. What is this? Miami Beach? You know? No. I got a, I got a uh, uh, nice five degrees, but at least the sun is shining. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a little, so, glo- little gloomy here in parts further south. Is it? But and chilly, yeah, yeah. Not not quite chilly. five degrees, but chilly. I mean, <laughs> chilly. It, it is the tropics of the Midwest here. Where yes, I'm at it now. is. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, buddy. Let's get to the news. What do you got? Well, as you mentioned, text of the one point seven trillion dollar omnibus spending package was released early this morning. The Senate will vote first and intends to pass the measure before Thursday, leaving the House no time to demand changes before the Christmas holiday. Uh, The measure includes, in part, a 10% increase in military spending and a pay raise for servicemen and women, aid for Ukraine and NATO allies, disaster aid for farmers, funds to hire more police officers, SNAP funding and foreign food aid, $1.92 billion for farm programs, 
Chip, that's $55 million above the fiscal year 2022 enacted level. Yeah, that disaster aid for farmers, we asked uh, Senator Bozeman about it a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, he included some some disaster aid for rice producers in this final measure. There's a lot going on in it. We'll find out from Weissmeyer at the end of the show. Indeed. One more thing on that. The spending bill also enacts the Growing Climate Solutions Act to facilitate ag carbon markets, which would authorize USDA to oversee the registration of farm technical advisors and carbon credit verification services. Hmm. Well, as we've mentioned, according to the National Weather Service, more than 25 million people across much of the central and northwestern U.S. are under wind chill alerts. Heavy snow is expected today in several states, including Montana and the Dakotas and most of Minnesota, where the high temperatures will remain below zero. This week, more than 80 percent of the lower 48 will experience temperatures below freezing. The Supreme Court temporarily blocked President Biden from ending a Trump-era border policy. Chief Justice John Roberts temporarily extended a policy that bars asylum applicants from entering the U.S. to protect the American population from COVID-19, issuing a brief order that maintains the status quo while the Supreme Court figures it out. In other news, the January 6th committee on Monday referred former President Donald Trump to the Justice Department on at least four criminal charges. The committee laid out the case that Trump's direct involvement in efforts to overturn the 2020 election made him responsible for the events that unfolded at the U.S. Capitol on January 6. EU Energy Ministers, Chip, have reached an agreement to cap natural gas prices on the block when they hit the equivalent of $191 for three days, despite fears that such an intervention could cause greater volatility in the market. Wow. China is reportedly scrambling to strengthen its health care system as COVID-19 spreads through the country. Officials in several cities are building what they call fever clinics at hospitals to Holy treat patients. Lord. Meanwhile, the World Bank has cut its China growth outlook for this year and next, citing impacts of looser COVID-19 yeah. policy and persistent property sector weakness. Yeah, we'll talk with uh, Rob Fox about that and the potential impact of that on the global economy in the year ahead and how much impact that might have on U.S. ag. Well, and finally here, Chip, Chinese-owned Fufang USA said it will proceed with construction of a $700 million corn milling plant in Great Forks, North Dakota, after a National Security Committee said it would not block the project. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to keep tabs on that and see how how quickly that develops and what roadblocks they might run into there. Indeed. All right, Davis, thanks, buddy. Let's bring in Karen Bonert, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Good morning, Chip. We missed you last week in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Would have been nice to been there. Uh, give us the highlights. Well, I f- should say, have you have you come off the high of Milk Business <laughs> Conference yet? Not really. It was a Kickstart twentieth uh, anniversary uh, Milk Business Conference. Um, Chip, the the event was very very well attended, but even more importantly, it was extremely engaging. During our evening reception, everyone was on their feet, mingling and talking about the year ahead. And as you know, when producers come to an event like this, it's very intentional. They're interested in learning about investments that can help address the challenges that face their dairies, right? But as well as opportunities on their farm, leaning into what can help advance them forward. Um, The highlight for me maybe was that keynote speaker. I know I told you about him, the American Ninja Warrior, Alex Weber. I think he really resonated with all of us. And he said, you know, Hey, you know what? I, I don't believe that fail, failures ever end, Chip. 
But what I do believe is our ability to move past them grows. And I think this really struck a chord with our audience because, you know, ninja warriors and dairy farmers, what they have in common is that they're steadfast with dedication, right? They know how to work hard and persevere, especially when the odds are stacked against them. And I think this was a great way to wrap up the year because uh, the inspiration, excuse me, the inspiration is needed, especially as we sure. move into a new new year that will sing a little bit of a different tune. Yeah. Yeah. It, it there. It had to be an optimistic group, but at the same time, little caution in the outlook for the year ahead, isn't there? There is. Um, yeah. You know, with milk prices singing a different tune and those outputs will, mm-hmm. uh, with feed costs and stuff are still high. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We're going to get into that with Rob Fox from uh, CoBank here coming up in the next segment. Karen, you had a great meeting out there in Vegas. Congratulations on that. Learn more about it and get some of the details of what happened out there. www.milkbusiness.com. Thanks, Karen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. That is Karen Bonert, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Like I said, we've got Rob Fox coming up. He is the director of CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. What's the outlook for 2023 agriculture? We'll get that covered for you next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flora. You know, Davis? Yeah, it's I been do. Con- it, it- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I knew Davis, and you, sir, are no Davis. Heck of a guy. Uh, actually, a you guy. are. Um <laughs> Uh, it's been a nice string, a nice run of, of yeah. positive returns on investment in agriculture. And we talk about it in the afternoon show quite often because the simple fact that producers are looking to defer revenue from 2022 into 2023 mm. is having an impact on this corn market and corn basis in, in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can we tack on 2023 under the years of profitability? Let's get the outlook from CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. Rob Fox is the director of CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. Rob, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? I'm doing great, Chip. How are you? Doing real fine, real fine. Last week, you released a report on the outlook for ag in 2023. Uh, 
so, like I said, nice run of returns. I think what most want to know is, very simply, will this string of profitability push out into 2023? Well, Chip, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to have record uh, profitability again in 2023. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, but will we be profitable? My gut tells me yes, but not nearly as much as the past couple of years. Um, you know, and the okay. main reason the main reason is that in the 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 cost inflation sure. uh, effects that we've seen over the past six to nine months, those are going to hit full bore on the 2023 planting season. And those, yeah. you know, didn't, those weren't nearly as, as bad as they they are now one year ago when we were buying inputs, you know, for the 2022 crop. So that's right. the big reason, but we've also seen a little pullback in commodity prices. We don't expect prices to be quite as high in 2023 as we did uh, this year. So, okay. you know, you, you take the combination of that. We got a slower global economy, slower, dom slower domestic yep. economy. You wrap all that up together and, and you get, you know, we're not going to have a record profitability again. Okay. All right. So let's break this down a little bit. And I want to start with the broad brush and you just mentioned it. That is the global economy. What do you see for the global economy and, and the impact on U.S. ag? And China in particular here, Rob, because we just talked about it in the news with COVID doing what it's doing in China again. It seems like a another severe headwind for China in 2023. Well, that's the you hit it right on the head. China is the number one wild card. And, um, you know, it's our largest global export market for agricultural products by far. You know, we all know we ship a lot of soybeans there, but they're also a major customer for feed grains, cotton, dairy products, beef, tree nuts, you know, you name it. Uh, China's always in the top five for whatever commodity you're, you're looking at. So, you know, even before this change of government policy with regard to COVID, uh, there's been some real political friction between the U.S. and China, yeah. and, and China has made it very clear they're going to intentionally look for other suppliers. You know, most obvious uh, recent move was to uh, China buying Brazil corn for the first yes. time in history. Um, but we've seen um, similar moves from China in the past, and they will they will stop buying uh, U.S. cotton on a whim or or put up some phony baloney trade barriers on yep. sensitive products. So um, I would expect more of that to continue here. Um, and as you say, the, uh, the, the COVID situation there, China is in for a rocky, at least six month period of, of, uh, of a pandemic. You know, we went through the worst of it you know, a few years ago, and most of the rest yeah. of the world did as well. And, and you saw the turmoil it caused, you know, both economically and, and politically and socially, yeah. and it caused quite a bit of uh, uh, ongoing uh, friction, you know, in yep. our society. And, and China is going to go through the same thing. I don't see how they can avoid it. Now, the question is, how long will it last, right? Is this, right. Will, will they be able to have the, the dip and kind of recover by mid year and, and everything is, uh, sunny again and and they just move on like nothing ever happened i mean that's one possibility no well, probably the i, I think the answer you know. to that is no rob 
Yeah. So, you know, uh, that's, that's a, a major risk. I mean, yeah. and what that could influence their political decisions, not only with regard to import policy, but also it could determine how they treat Taiwan. Maybe they want to change yeah. uh, the, the headline stories from the pandemic to let, let's right. uh, blame the U.S. and Taiwan for all our problems and they'll start putting pressure on, on the Taiwan situation and, yep. you know, how would we respond politically trade wise? You know, I right. don't know. Um, so right. there, there's another, uh, another risk factor. Yeah. Lots of uncertainties when it comes to China, no question about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, uh, uncertainties that as we figured out, it's going to have a big impact on, on the egg economy. Let's, let's make a, a smaller brush here. Talk about the general economy here in the U S how do you see the general economy performing? What's the potential impacts on farming and ranching? Well, you know, if you look at the past two years, GDP by quarter, and you plot that out, the plot looks kind of like a flight plan of a plane coming down for a smooth landing, right? It's just mm -hmm. slow and steady, easing, easing, easing down. So the question, you know, is will that pace continue? And the logical scenario to, to, to happen is is kind of a, a continued slowing and maybe a shallow recession that lasts for a quarter or two before the Fed uh, stops tightening the screws, right? And and everything gets back to uh, back to uh, you know field of poppies. But uh, you know we don't know. We've never been through this scenario before. People like right. to pretend they're they're experts, but we've never had a pandemic and and right. uh, fis fiscal and monetary response followed by a complete reversal in in monetary policy you know this has never happened before so you know the the economy is chugging along quite quite well all things considered at the moment and you know as long as people are employed that will prevent you know any severe recession so you know, my hope is the Fed takes into effect or takes into their analysis kind of the the devastation that, uh, you know, heavy unemployment of seven, eight percent would cause on, on society and and be what they need to do is realize that inflation, it's going to take time to ease down and to to think we can get back to two to three percent inflation, you know, in the next six to nine months or whatever they have in mind. That's yeah. completely unrealistic. So, right. you know, I'd like I'd like to see them, you know, add a little bit more um, uh, to the rate hikes, just as as a show of force, and then kind of eat, kind of ease off, and and keep a steady hand okay. on the wheel. You know, it's like it's like driving on the ice. You know, you got to keep it smooth and steady. You don't want to make uh, sharp sharp right. accelerations or yep. <laughs> hammer on the brakes. Right. That's, That's what right. I'd like to see them do exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh, when it comes to row crop and, and cotton production, rice production, uh, even wheat production, I think you, you probably already hit on what's the biggest challenge in the year ahead, and that's the input cost, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Okay. We're looking at, at 20 to 25% across the board input costs and you know that's primarily fertilizers the biggest of them yep. uh but but labor and and all of them take a toll interest rates they all add up yep absolutely what about for livestock producers what's the what's what's the biggest challenge well you know it, it 
I think things are pretty good for livestock producers. The biggest challenge really is climate effects on the western half of the U.S., right? The, mm-hmm. With cattle prices, you know, and the feeder cattle prices in the 180 range, I mean, that's fantastic. But if you don't have anything to feed them, right, <laughs> then yeah. you, you can't you can't grow the uh, the herd. So um, the good news is recently the, the National Weather Service came out with its long-term forecast and they, they eased back on the uh, La Nina uh, probability a little bit. So, so now by April, they're saying odds are 70% odds that we'll be in a neutral uh, oceanic um, uh, formulation or whatever. So that would, that would mean uh, maybe we'll pull out of this two-year drought and, and give... Uh, give the ranchers out west a chance okay. to uh, start rebuilding the uh, the cattle herd. All right. Hey, Rob, give me 20 seconds on dairy. What do you expect? Well, uh, dairy is one of the most sensitive to world uh, economic conditions. So um, that's, as we've spoken with China, that's a little bit negative. But U.S. production is growing. The rest of the world is shrinking. So that yeah. will, we will grow our uh, global share of exports. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff, Rob. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, man. Okay. Anytime, Ship. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. That's Rob Fox, director of CoBank's Knowledge Exchange. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Kentucky agriculture with Ag Commissioner Ryan Quarles. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, nice bounce in the soy complex. What's going on there? Yeah, really explosive gains, Chip. Uh, soy oil market uh, more than 100 points higher this morning. Uh, the meal market more than $5 higher in the front end. And, and soybeans uh, trading Oh, in the teens higher. So, uh, so big gains there. Uh, you know, the U.S. dollar is under heavy pressure, and and that's definitely not uh, hurting things by any means. Uh, um, you know, corn and wheat, uh, they're they're followers to the soy complex today. But uh, boy, just uh, really, really good price action so far this morning here. Excellent. All right. Uh, yeah, you said that corn's doing a little bit of following. Wheat kind of, well, it's perked up a little bit here. It kind of was hesitant to move to the upside earlier. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, both those markets are still saddled, uh, corn and, and wheat, that is, are, are saddled with uh, poor export demand. Um, so the dollar should be helping most those markets the most uh, with the, the price pressure this morning. Uh, but until we see some some real improvement on the export demand side of things, uh, both of those markets are, are uh, seeing limited buyer interest. Right, right. Okay, take us over to the livestock trade. What's going on? Uh, well, feeder cattle continue to be the, the market that uh, is kind of the head scratcher in here. Uh, corn yeah. market's trading to the upside, and, and we're seeing uh, moderate to strong gains in feeder cattle. So instead of trading opposite of corn, uh, they've been trading with the corn market here recently. Uh Live cattle futures, uh, just a little bit of, of price pressure in there, waiting on cash cattle trade to develop. Uh, probably going to be about steady prices, to be honest with you, again this week. Okay. And then the uh, hog market, uh, February contract, uh, sharp losses, uh, but kind of mixed trade in some of the deferred contracts. Excellent. All right, Brian, thank you. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. He'll be with us this afternoon on AgriTalk. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you're with us. Davis, of course, is here as well. Of course, as well. And joining us now, Ryan Quarles. He is the Kentucky Commissioner of Agriculture. Commissioner Quarles, welcome to AgriTalk. How are you? Glad to be with you from the land of horses and bourbon. I hope uh, if you don't have any <laughs> Christmas gifts left to buy, buy Kentucky Proud and help our economy out. Well, I tell you what, back uh, this summer, I contributed uh, quite considerably to the uh, to the economy down there in Kentucky as I made one of the, the trips down there and took in Churchill Downs, did a lot of things down there in your state. It was wonderful. Well, we're, uh, we're known for many things. We're known for uh, fast horses, great Kentucky bourbon, and, of course, Colonel Sanders. So it's a great time to represent Kentucky agriculture. Love it, love it, love it. You know, uh, sir, I have talked with several state commissioners and secretaries and directors of ag, they are all proud of what agriculture does in their state, but I don't think I know another that has documented that pride in a short animated film like you have. That was an impressive piece of work. Tell us about that. What was the motivation? Well, every year we try to push by local. I know that uh, every state yeah. tries to do that. We thought we'd do something a little creative this year. You know, it's kind of take off Frosty the Snowman. Yep. And uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, my wonderful communication staff at the Kentucky Department of Agriculture made an in-house video of me playing cornhole with farm animals with my favorite <laughs> tractor brand, Alice Chalmers Tractors, promoting Kentucky Proud right before the holidays to encourage people to buy local. So we had a little fun this year. That's awesome. It, it's really, really well done. Um, you should check Although it out. they got one thing wrong. They got one thing wrong. My hair was a little too white for the video. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll keep that in mind. We'll keep that in mind. Okay. You recently addressed the Kentucky Farm Bureau, and at the, the convention, you made some comments about the use of Kentucky products in the Kentucky School Lunch Program. How has that program been upgraded in recent years? Well, the way I look at it is that we're going to feed young folks in the classroom, whether it's school lunch or school breakfast, 
why not put some local food on that school menu? Over 10 years ago, um, about 10% of our schools had locally produced food on the school lunch menu. And so we analyzed the USDA school lunch program and found ways for local farmers, whether it's a farmer market or direct-to-consumer uh, situation, to put Kentucky Proud on our school lunches. And today, I'm so proud that about 80% of our schools have something local on their menu. And the school, the shutdowns due to COVID only amplified the need and encouraged us to work harder so that when schools reopened, that we had a direct local um, partnership with our schools and it continues to work today. And look, when those kids graduate and they move on, maybe we could maybe just help produce a consumer as well that wants to yeah. buy local for the rest of their life. Well, that's what my follow-up question was going to be. Has this turned into an educational effort to help young people understand where their food comes from? Absolutely. And so Good. we try to get into the classroom as much as possible. We have a Kentucky Agriculture in the Classroom program where we bring agriculture to our schools. Uh, we have three trailers that we drag across Kentucky that have a mobile science classroom. And then we encourage kids to get their hands dirty. I have a poster and essay contest. And we even hire Miss Kentucky every single year as the official spokesperson for Kentucky Proud. So she travels the state, gets in front of our young folks and encourages them to buy local and perhaps choose agriculture as a career. Cool. Cool. So how have the the schools and the school nutritionists responded to this uh, local food for schools programs? Well, overall, it's been very positive and some schools are more proactive than others. So whenever we get them in the same room, if we get all our school nutritionists from 120 counties together, we like to brag on the ones that are doing it right. And so it kind of creates somewhat of a competition across the state about, hey, what can we do? And look, I understand schools have budgets as well. We have to respect that. But when you can actually take a child, uh, say it's a 4-H program, take them to a farm, and then you realize that, that that product that came off that farm is actually on the school menu, that's a win-win. It's great positive press. Yeah. Plus, uh, as we live in a post-COVID world, we understood we understand there are some food supply chain issues in America that we have to address. And so whenever we can strengthen local food systems, it's always going to be great. And we just received a $3.2 million grant from USDA to help us navigate the school lunch program to buy more local. So for me, it's a win-win Very situation. Cool. Very cool. It's something that it, it, it I can hear the pride in your voice as you talk about this. This is is something that's working in your state. It definitely is. And for us, it allows us to move the needle on a greater issue. Look, food travels on average 1,500 miles from the farm gate to a dinner plate. Yeah. And imagine what we can do if a school system, which in Kentucky is every school is the biggest buyer of food in that county, period. So if you really want to talk about producing a renaissance in agriculture, whether it's produce, whether it's uh, a, a state like Kentucky where the average farm size is only 170 acres, we can do a lot with a lot, with little land. We can diversify. And if we know there's an institutional buyer like a school system or a hospital system right in our backyard, it could really help boost local agriculture. Yeah, very cool. Okay, looking ahead to 2023, we've got the Farm Bill de debate negotiations coming up. Uh, the biggest piece of the Farm Bill is by far the nutrition program. And then last week, the Senate Ag Subcommittee on Food and Nutrition, Specialty Crops, Organics, and Research held a hearing on food as medicine. Now, you submitted some comments to that subcommittee. What was the focus on that? 
Well, this is the second time I've had the chance to address uh, both House and Senate respective chambers on the 2023 Farm Bill. Now that the elections are over, we know who's going to be on those committees. We know who the chairman, the chairwomen are going to be. And so we want to make sure that Kentucky's voice is heard. Uh, so most recently, we submitted comments about the positive aspects of food as medicine. And the way I look at it is this, is that if a kid does not have access to adequate food uh, going to school on a Monday morning, if, if Friday was the last time they had a nutritious meal and they come to school Monday starving, uh, education is the last thing on that child's mind. And so for me, right. facing food insecurity head on, not only helps people have a nutritious diet, but also it affects life trajectories that that we have one in five Kentucky school children, which is higher than national averages, who are food insecure. And we know that those who do not have adequate um, access to food, they're more likely to repeat a grade, fail grade. Yeah. They're less likely to go to college, and the list goes on and on and on. So for me, it's more of a pragmatic type of approach, and that's what we submitted to the United States Senate. Gotcha. Good. Good. So what is the condition of Kentucky agriculture right now? Well, we, like other states, went through a, a pretty severe drought this past year, although our yields were, were somewhat okay. Yeah. We expect our farm cash receipts to uh, hit about $8 billion, which is an all-time historic high. It's mainly being driven by higher commodity prices. But of course, let's not forget our input prices are up as well. Just because we have more revenue doesn't mean profitability is up. But Kentucky agriculture is very resilient. We're a highly diversified state. And so for us, it's not just about corn, wheat, and soybeans, but we're also the largest beef cattle state east of Mississippi. Uh, chicken is our number one commodity. We make Colonel Sanders proud every single day. But we also have a lot of value add, whether it's our horses and our horse tracks, but also Kentucky bourbon. Those are multi-billion dollar industries that are housed in Kentucky. So for us, despite a drought, we had a pretty good year. Good, good, good. Uh, let's go over a couple of the challenges for Kentucky Ag that you are planning to address. I know that you wanted to mention uh, EPA and the atrazine registration. What's up there? Well, look, in agriculture, all we ask for is that when a crop technology comes out, which takes years to develop, years of research, years of approval, we want to make sure that those decisions are based off sound scientific principles. And so atrazine, which uh, well over uh, 80% of Kentucky corn crops uh, uses or it affects, uh, a proposal by the EPA would actually reduce the parts per billion uh, that could be uh, spread across the field. And so a decision was made, was made way back in 2020 to set it at a certain rate. Uh, this EPA decided to lower it. And so we yeah. wanted to make sure that we protect our crop technology so that we can uh, provide food and fiber, not just for Americans, but those untold millions that we export around the world. And so for us, let's not play games with regulation. Let's make sure that that our decisions are based off science. Amen. Amen to that. Okay. Another challenge on the input cost. We talked about that with Rob Fox in the last segment. But what about on the energy side of things? What what should the country be doing to bring down fuel costs? Well, number one, we need to promote American energy independence so that we're not dependent on foreign countries, not just for our fuel but also for our economic freedom, that we need to remove the restrictions and barriers so that we can produce energy independently here in America. Again, just three years ago, the United States of America was a net energy exporter. Now we're relying upon foreign markets. And it's so important that we have an all of the above approach, whether Kentucky's a big coal state, we're proud of that. Coal keeps the lights on here. But we also need to make sure that we're open towards other 
uh, uh, technology as well, whether it's renewable natural gas, uh, LP, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to remove the barriers, remove the stigmatism, and stop electing people to office that want to shut down energy. We need to promote Love energy it. that's produced in America first. Prosperity is built on energy. There's no question about that, sir. And uh, I agree with you. So, hey, stay excited about agriculture, uh, Commissioner Quarles. And and you're going to be <laughs> campaigning for a new job in the year ahead, right? That's right. Uh, I've announced that I'm running for governor of Kentucky in 2023. I'm excited about this opportunity. I've spent the last uh, almost eight years serving as commissioner of agriculture. I'm termed out, so I can't run again. And so we hope to have put a farmer in the governor's office next year. Outstanding. Good work, sir. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning, and good luck to you. Thank you, and Merry Christmas, and buy a bourbon. Put it underneath the Christmas tree. <laughs> I think I think that's pretty much a given here at the house. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you so much. Ryan Quarles, Kentucky Commissioner of Agriculture. Jim Wiesmeyer on the spending bill. Coming up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. In fact, we're here right now, and we're glad that you are here as well. Davis Michelson with uh, Chip Flory in the wings. Uh, let's get to today's yields in the fields. Yields in the Fields on Agritalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Weather moving across the nation's midsection, eastern Kansas. I hate to wish for snow, but a nice thick blanket would really help out my poverty grass. Yields in the Fields brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic. Chip, uh, $1.7 million. Oh, wait. $1.7 billion. Wait, no. One point seven trillion with a T. That's a T. That's that's a lot of clams. Let's figure yes, out how it it's is. gonna be spent. We got Weesmeyer, is he on? I believe we've got him. Pro former I'm, policy analyst Jim yeah. Weesmeyer. How there you doing, buddy? Pretty good. I went through uh search key 
word searches of the 4,155 pages very early this morning. It's actually good news. Uh, even though we're spending a lot of money, we got a nearly a 10% boost or $76 billion for military spending, and we definitely need that. And domestic uh, programs clocked in at just over $772 you know, billion. That's, okay. that's a chunk of change. But agriculture, bottom line, Chip, I think some of the changes that they did, and we can go through real quickly, I think it's going to boost the odds that we could yet get a 2023 farm bill because they handled some sensitive issues here, Jeff. Okay. Get to them. What are those sensitive okay. issues? Okay. Well, the big $3.7 billion in disaster aid for eligible 2022 crops and, and livestock with uh, $494.5 million of that to be paid for livestock losses due to drought or, or wildfires. But the other okay. part is they put a lot of funding into the SNAP or food nutrition you know, program, you know, food stamps, including the summer program. And that's something the Democrats really was going to focus on in the farm bill now that that's done. And there's also a climate uh, change related yeah. aspects. They brought the Growing Climate Solutions Act in and that'll, that'll facilitate uh, ag carbon markets with a little modification to make sure USDA's role in in this. Uh, so I think that's made the Republicans on the Senate Ag Committee happy with some of those, uh, you know, clarifications. And the Sustains Act, that uh, allows corporations and other uh, private ent entities to contribute funding for conservation programs, and USDA can match up to 75% in that. But the other big news, Chip, Specialty crops and 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 uh, they had remarks on crop insurance uh, A and O administrative and operating expenses. Twenty five million is being made available for specialty crops so they can be more equitable to other crops, and that's very big for Senate Ag uh, uh, you know Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow, and that'll click off in the farm bill. And the A and O for uh, you know crop insurance companies that hasn't been adjusted for, for inflation since twenty fifteen. Rice right. growers finally got financial. A $250 million uh, one-time payment based on acres in 2022, details later. And the last one, cotton merchandisers got $100 million to make payments to uh, them that they endured significant financial losses caused by the pandemic. Th those are the the, the biggies. What's not in it is the is is that uh, you know livestock uh, 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 market reform. But I think that's going to be a big debate in the farm bill. And there's nothing on the proposed farm worker labor reforms uh, from uh, you, know, you know Senator Bennett. Right. That's an issue for 2023 as well, Chip. Yeah, yeah, and and just a quick mention here. We're going to have Senator Bennett on the show tomorrow morning to talk about that and and figure it out from there. One point nine two billion for farm programs, fifty five million above the fiscal year two thousand twenty two. Yes, and they can tweak that in the in the farm bill. But I don't think Aggies can really complain too much. There was a hope that we could get year-round E15 in this omnibus, and I don't see it in the language. I'm not going to rule it out yet, but I certainly don't see it in the language. But there's food aid in here, foreign food aid, uh, yep. $1.8 billion. I just think overall this is not a bad, package, a bad package for the ag sector, playing into what will be the issues in the upcoming farm bill debate okay so the the climate issues that are addressed in this now does that move the funding for usda's climate smart farming practices from ccc to this spending package 
Well, it just says what authorized USDA to oversee the registration and all that. That's in the Growing Climate Solutions Act. But this, I don't think, again, I got to read all the language, Chip, but I think they're going to specify okay, that's right. that will not come out of the CCC. Yep. Okay. I, yeah, yes, I, I get it. I, I, uh, I understand that now because really what we're talking about in this is that it's for USDA to basically create that verification process on, on the carbon credits, right? Yes, with careful yeah. that they, they're kind of one step away, so companies can't say USDA qualified them. So you 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 have to be careful on, on that one, and that adhered to the Republicans' complaints about this. So I think they they must be happy there. Okay, all right, very good, Jim. Um, th- this feels like something that we're going to continue to have to sort out. But in the back of my mind, I keep thinking to myself. trillion. How does that help to slow down inflation? Uh, It doesn't, but it's just the cost of running our country, Chip. There's a lot of, uh, you know, excess in here. There's no doubt about it. But we need to start with a clean slate next year with a a split uh, Congress, the, the Republicans in the House and the Democrats in the Senate. And I think uh, if they kick the can down the road, which they didn't do, it's an omnibus spending bill. Some of the House Republicans don't like this, but I'm sorry, let's yeah. start uh, your slate so we can get on those big ticket issues that Senator Bennett has. All right. Hey, do me a favor. Run that search on hogs and Will see do. if there's any uh, support for for hog producers in there on the, pan, uh, the, the COVID expenses, gotcha. okay? Will do. Okay. All right. Very good. Jim, hey, man, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Okay. All right. That is pro former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Man, that was a quick download, wasn't it, Davis? It was. Well, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah, there absolutely is. And and a a lot of this matters. I would say that the government continues to spend like a drunken sailor. But as Jim says, hey, don't insult the drunken sailors like that. Eventually... (laughs) They run out of money and have to quit spending. Um, (laughs) Thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady will be with us tomorrow morning. Senator Bennett from Colorado.